Hello and welcome to the podcast version of The Good World. Uh, what you are about to listen to was recorded on video, so sometimes there will be allusions to YouTube or things that are happening visibly, um, and you will also hear my dog Charlie in the background, probably, um, and so I apologize if you can't see it, but hopefully you can enjoy the audio version, uh, and you can find the video version at goodworld.love. Thanks. I know, peeps. I know. Yeah, we're going to the dog park. Yeah. I know, you just want to be there. Okay, wind machine. Uh, hi, everybody. So, uh, yeah, I know that uh, after yesterday's uh, fairly heavy episode, um, I promised something lighter, so I'm going to do, do something a little lighter. Um, I haven't entirely figured, out, figured it out. I mean, this is all, you know, pretty improvisational. Um, but I figured, I don't know, I would just tell some, some stories, although I'm like struggling a little to uh, have any good ones pop into my head. Um, but I do, I think a good one to start with is one about, uh, this goober back here. I don't know if you can even see his, oh yeah, you can see his, uh, his tail and his butt. He's got like, like just the front of his snoot sitting on the windowsill right now, sticking out the window. Now he's moving around again. Oh, back out. Uh, yeah, he really loves, uh, we call it the wind machine, because from Charlie's perspective, that's what it is. The wind machine. Um, that's wind machine uh, in Charlie language with an M at the end. No ends. Um, and he, he has very specific uh, wind machine speeds that he likes. He really doesn't like highway speed wind machine because that's too fast wind machine uh woman that's too fast wind machine um but he does i mean this is a really good charlie wind machine speed um as high as you know like 40 45 he'll be pretty happy yeah i know um so i don't know the first like ridiculous charlie story that kind of pops into my head uh is uh couple months ago, well, more, a little more than that, I don't know, late 2020, mid to late 2020, um, oh no, it was, it was around, uh, it was actually November, because it was right around the election, um, my father-in-law came up to visit us, and he brought his dog, his dog is Edie, um, who is, uh, I don't know, she's like a corgi-shaped chihuahua, she's like, I don't know, she's, She's, uh, I think, probably part Chihuahua, and she's, uh, but like stockier. Um, you know, Chihuahuas are pretty skinny, um, but she's definitely got the like Chihuahua bat face. Um, and Edie is hilarious. This is going to end up being a story about Edie too, I guess. Um, Edie is hilarious because she will sit down next to you, uh, and she'll like open up her. You know, she'll she'll lie on her back and and like demand a tummy rub, and then when you start giving her a tummy rub, she'll she'll like bare her teeth and snarl at you, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess you don't want that, and you stop, and she's like, no, more tummy rubs, and then you rub her tummy, and she's like, arr, arr. Um, so Edie is Edie's kind of an intense little dog, um, and Charlie is terrified of her, which is also hilarious because she's less than half his size, um, but she's an intense little dog, and he's kind of a goober. Uh, and so, you know, he'll go up to her and sniff her and she'll kind of, uh, and he'll, he'll, he'll sort of run away. Um, so 
my father-in-law Andrew was visiting us and Edie was here and Charlie was here obviously um, and we um, went out for I don't know some meal uh, I think we went out for lunch and we left the dogs at home and uh, Charlie gets dry food but Edie's food comes from a can and so there was a can don't remember if it was I think it was open with like you know plastic wrap on top of it or whatever um, and we came home uh, the can of Edie's food had been left on the counter um, and Charlie being uh, being the trash monster he is um, got up to counter height grabbed the can and in order to get all the food out of it um, basically just like like chewed on it um, like what am I thinking you know those like uh, the like squeezy ice pops where you have to squeeze the thing to like get the stuff out or really any um, Oh, is he gonna react to the mail truck? Nah, just looked at it. Sometimes he'll bark which is unfortunate um, But he's he is convinced um, Side story about Charlie. He is convinced uh, That anyone who just comes right into the house is probably safe But anyone who knocks on the door or rings the doorbell is probably a murderer because what murderers do when they come to your house is they politely knock on the door or ring the doorbell. Um, <laughs> and what they definitely don't do uh, is just come in uninvited. Um, so Char Charlie's, uh, you know, al internal alarm system is not necessarily the most well-honed when it comes to human interactions. Um, anyway, so yeah, so like a, like a squeezy food item, uh, he basically just used his jaw to, to condense this metal can and squeeze all of Edie's food out of it that he could until he literally ended up like the, the, the can looked like a triangle. It was like, um, it, it, he basically managed to like seal the bottom half of the can because he had squeezed everything out the top. Um, and more importantly than that, so that's what we found when we got home was, you know, this this can on the floor that had been sort of squeezed into uh, into a sealed condition. Um, but more importantly was that there were many shards of metal that had clearly just uh, gone missing, and by gone missing, I mean that Charlie ate them. Uh, and so, uh, so you know, that was obviously a, a moment of concern, um, but we, we went online and we were like, what do we do if our dog eats shrapnel? Uh, and... Oh, here's the waving guy. Let me just wave at him. Little, little early there. Hello. Uh, and uh, basically, the answer is like you can you can just feed them pumpkin, and the pumpkin will kind of go around the uh, or squash. Um, I mean, they're basically the same thing. Um, we'll go around, sort of surround the metal pieces, and then he'll just poop them out. Um, and so that's what we did, and he was fine. Um, but for for a while, any time Charlie made a face at us, we would just imagine him saying, "Whom and I ate a can." Hi, hi, peeps. I know you have you have things to tell me now. You know I'm talking about the time you ate a can. Whom and I ate a can? Um, because he ate a can. Because because that's what this ridiculous dog does. I know, buddy. I know. We're on our way to the dog park, and we'll be there in in a Charlie or two. Um, Char I guess like using this, using today as a, as an opportunity to describe 
uh, all of the Charlie language and syntax is also useful. Um, so I think I mentioned this yesterday, but uh, in Charlie's mind, um, all, all units of everything are measured in Charlie's. Uh, so whether it's a measure of weight uh, or time or size or anything, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's a Charlie or it's many Charlies. It can be many Charlies. Um, uh, but the, the Charlie is obviously a very inconsistent measure. Um, it doesn't, it's not really a helpful way of seeing the world. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I don't know, a short trip is like a Charlie or two. And then uh, multiple days is many Charlies. Um, and anything in between can be anything in between. Um, at some point, we, we sort of defined it as the amount of time it takes Charlie to say Charlie, but it's, it's kind of gotten well beyond that. Uh, plus, also now, it's, again, it's, it's sort of evolved to be a measure of size. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a horse is many Charlies big. Um, also, Charlie is obsessed with horses. He's obsessed really with, like, big dogs, small dogs, or things that he thinks could be big dogs. Um, and so, you know, we always imagine him going up to a horse and saying, what kind of dog am you? Um, but he really, he'll just, he doesn't actually go all the way up to them, but he gets close to them and is just like, this is amazing. He's like baffled by the enormity of a horse. Yeah, I know. He's getting some good wind machine right now. This person is slowing down, so I will also slow down. Defensive driving. Um, here's a here's a story that is not about Charlie. It is about me. Um, so when I was younger, I was pretty stupid. Uh, and so when I was learning to drive, um, well, I mean, I guess it was after I learned to drive. But like when I got my license, um, I drove way too fast uh, a couple of times. Um, more than more than a couple of times. I mean, it was like not infrequent for me to break a hundred. Um, and uh, I'm I'm honestly lucky to be alive because um, there were times that I like really did not have control of my vehicle. Uh, to say nothing of, um, you know, if if like a deer ran out of the woods across the road or like uh, another car came up that I didn't see, like crossing or something. Um, and the thing that changed that was when I got caught. Uh, I was up in, uh, I, I took a day trip up to Montreal with some friends. We went up to see, well, not a day trip. It was a, a one day overnight or a one night overnight. Um, we went to see the, the Mets uh, play the Montreal Expos. It was 2001 because uh, we, were, we were big Mets fans. Um, also, speaking of which, happy birthday, Melford, who was on that trip. Uh, his, his birthday is April Fool's Day. I mean, I'm again, this is going to get posted tomorrow, but uh, today is his birthday. Happy birthday. Um, uh, my, yeah, my old buddy Melford. Um, so we're like in the car driving back from Montreal. Um, also, man, going to Montreal to see Mets games, well, it was the only time I did it, I guess, but like it was, I mean, 2001, you could literally walk up the day of the game and we paid, I think, like 25 bucks a pop and we sat behind the Mets dugout because um, that was the state the Expos were in right before they uh, moved to Washington, D.C. to become the Nationals. Um, and, you know, 20, 
I guess not quite 20 years later, I would end up uh, going to see them play in the World Series. That was that was neat when that happened. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we were driving down, and I was going, like, 105 or something. Um, and there was a cop who just, you know, well-positioned speed trap. Uh, and, you know, pulled me over. He was like, I could throw you in jail for reckless driving right now. You're driving way too fast. You need to slow down. And I basically was like, I agree. Uh, I think Melford drove home because I was shaking. Um, my license got suspended for a few months. Um, and basically, I mean, the good news is once I got my license back, um, I became... Uh, I really sort of lost a lot of my old impatience with driving and a lot of uh, my old tendencies towards... Well, road rage is like a whole thing that I probably could do a whole episode on. And, uh, and today is lighthearted fare, so I'm not going to talk about that. Um, but anyway, I am now um, a very defensive driver. I often drive below the speed limit, not intentionally, but just because, like, you know, I drive... If I'm driving at a speed that feels safe to me on these, like, windy mountain roads, um, it often ends up being below the speed limit. I know we're almost there, pal. Yeah, yeah, we're almost there. I know, you're so dog-sided. You're so dog-sided. I know. I know. Um, so yeah, uh, if you, if you ever see someone, uh, you're stuck behind someone going, you know, going really slow and seeming like, um, they're just very cautious, and then you pull up next to them, uh, and you see this majestic beard, um, then, uh, hi, I will say, I just, hi, hello, how are you? Uh, it is good to see you. Anyway, that's, that's, that's my driving style now. I know we're almost there, we're getting so close to the park. I know, it's dog favorite. That's some more Charlie syntax. Anything that he likes is dog favorite. Uh, most words have the wrong consonants in Charlie syntax. Um, also, this is something I haven't shared on here, but like part of why Charlie is really excited to arrive at the dog park in the morning, I mean, part of it is he really likes it, um, but part of it is also that that's where he takes his first poop of the day. <laughs> um, and so he, I know, I know, he's also like, I need to poop, is part of what's happening. Um, you know, that's, uh, this, this channel is all about acknowledging the reality of the world, uh, and, and poop is a big part of that reality, especially when you have a dog. I know, we're almost there, and then you can poop. Um, one of our nicknames for Charlie, and there are many, Beeps is one, uh, you can probably figure out why, um, but another one is, uh, Most Poops Dog, um, which usually only comes up in context, but, uh, yeah, most poops dog. One word. All one word. Um, because, because that's, that's how he rolls. I know, I know, we're almost there. We're almost there. You're gonna see your friends, and you're gonna get to poop, and everything's gonna be great. I know, we're almost there. Uh, yeah, beeps. Most poops dog. Um, also, Lorb or Lorby have come up because there's also, uh, we, we decided, excuse me, we decided at some point gas is also a part of life, um, especially when you have my Ashkenazi Jewish digestive system. Um, I know we're almost there. 
Um, we decided at some point that the way Charlie says his name is not Charlie, but Charlorb. Um, because, I don't know, I don't have a reason for that. Um, but so we, sometimes we call him Lorb or Lorbo or Lorby uh, or Charlorb. You know, who means why you left in Charlorb all weekend and so on. Wow, dog park is crowded today. Here's the spot. Um, anyway, yeah, we're here, here at the dog park. Charlie needs to poop. Uh, so we'll, we'll be back, we'll be back in a Charlie or two, uh, with some, some more fun and ridiculousness. Uh, okay, bye for now. I know, I know. Yeah, here we go, here we go. Let's take your leash off. Hello, as always, this is a reminder to you that if you enjoy this video series, channel, show, YouTube, uh, to please click the like button, or the subscribe button, uh, or the share button, or uh, to comment if you have comments, uh, that's feelings that you put into word form. Uh, and that's it, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because I don't really care about, um, my own promotion, though, like, being able to have an income off of this would be nice in a society that demands that. Um, but I, I care a lot about the message that I'm putting out into the world, um, because I, it's, it's not mine originally, it's, I mean, it's my own sort of remix of, uh, of a lot of really old ideas. Um. Uh, but I, it's, it's sort of an approach that has helped me a lot, and, and I think, uh, hopefully it can help other people a lot. Um, and so that's, that's the main reason I would like people to like and share and subscribe and whatever. Um, it is, uh, you know, I don't know if this were in, in a hypothetical world where this turns into, like, a massive money-making, uh, organization, then, um, uh, you know, I'll, like, buy a farm and then give a lot of the money to people who don't have money or something. Um, but right now, I don't, that's not the situation. Um, but we can, we can get there together. Um, I don't know, whatever. Share this with people if you want to, if you like it. Click on like if you like it. How have I managed to make this into a, uh, approaching two minute long like and subscribe thing? I don't stop talking. I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't stop talking. I just stopped. Okay. Uh, thanks. Okay, we are heading home from the dog park. Charlie had a wonderful time. Uh, we were here for a good chunk of time. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of dogs here today, so he did a lot of, a lot of chasing. Um, a little bit of humping, but not too bad. He can be a little humpy. Um, there was, today there was only one dog he got a little humpy with, and uh, that dog was playing some good fetch, so it was okay. Um, he couldn't, Charlie couldn't pin him down for long. Um, Charlie was also kind of jealous because that dog uh, still had his balls and Charlie doesn't. Um, so, you know, a, a day in the life of being Charlie's human. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there are, I'm trying to think of, of other, like, stories I want to tell. I think what I was just thinking as I was, um, at the dog park talking with my, uh, my, my dog park friends, um, so we were talking about, 
well, I don't know. We talked about a lot of things because we we it's it's really nice. We just go and kind of shoot the shit for uh, I don't know. Today was a good hour and a half, maybe even two hours. Uh, probably not two hours, but I don't know what time I got here. Anyway, um, one thing that came up was uh, I, I I brought up the subject of BoJack Horseman, which is one of my favorite TV programs, um, and I had the thought that I would. Uh, share a little bit about the media that I consume, um, because, uh, I don't know, again, we're trying to, we're keeping it light today, um, although, <laughs> so, so the problem is, uh, the media that I consume, what I, what I like a lot, oh, that's a text from Susie about whether or not I should pick up sandwiches, uh, so let me find a place to pull over so that I don't have to read a text while driving do that first. Um, the, uh, I'll just, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just stop this in a sec. Yeah. Okay. Just going to pull in here for a moment. Pull in at the Nevada County Fairgrounds. I'll be right back. Okay. I am not picking up sandwiches. That makes life a little easier. Um, Susie's going to eat some leftover soup. I think I'm going to make, or I'm going to eat the leftover, uh, last night for dinner. I made these I don't remember the, the, they're these Japanese fritters, I think they are called, I want to say it's okonomiyake, I think, um, which is, uh, which is a long word in a language that I don't speak, um, mm, yes, media that I consume, um, I, oh man, big, uh, lots of traffic here at this stop sign, we got like five cars, Whoa, seven cars. This is this is a lot of traffic for uh, for Grass Valley. Um, so the yes. Yeah, so what I was starting to say is, you know, I wanted to talk about media, and in theory, that's to keep it light. But here's the thing: um, what I love about BoJack Horseman, and also just uh, a lot of the things that I'll talk about. The 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 one recurring theme is is going to be that they all deal with inherited trauma. Um, because, you know, and I touched on this yesterday and we're not going to go too far down this road today, but like, I think inherited drama is at the foundation of the vast majority, um, of our societal ills and even things like, you know, our, our obsession with profit, our obsession with dominance and our own superiority and, um, all of those things. I think a huge amount of that just comes down to unresolved uh, not always inherited trauma, sometimes just unresolved trauma, but sometimes unresolved inherited trauma. It can be both. Um, and so I really like media that sort of deals with that. I think, um, it is important to, to deal with the reality of the world, because if we don't, we just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, you know, there's, there's the expression about, uh, those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it, and... I mean, I think that's true, but it's not enough to know history um, because we can always tell ourselves a story about why we're different than the horrible thing that someone else did. Um, and so it's not just those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it, but also those who ignore their own trauma and their own psychology are also doomed to, whether it's repeating history or just doing new, finding new ways to, to be horrible to each other. Um, so inherited trauma is, you know, 
it's, it's not great that it's a big part of the world, but it is a big part of the world. And so I think in order to make things better, we need to be able to, to, um, to engage with it. Um, and so what I really love about Bojack Horseman, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned yesterday that in, in my sort of mental framework, um, and you know, this isn't like an absolutely true thing. It's just the mental framework I use. Um, and it's pretty arbitrary, but in my mental framework, there are sort of three dimensions, uh, of, of, of our lives. And there, one of those is, uh, is, is sort of the beauty slash wonder dimension, um, which I can definitely see a lot of in, uh, in nature and also in, um, in like the, the micro universes of, of cheese making and things like that. Um, side note, my favorite word is microcosm because, you know, it literally describes like a, a small universe. Um, and there are, um, I can look at you cause there's a, I'm at a traffic light. Um, a microcosm is, is a micro universe, right? It's a small universe. And our, there are so many ways that the, our universe repeats itself on so many different levels. Um, it's an idea that in math is called a fractal, where, you know, you have the same pattern that is small, and then as it grows out, it repeats the same pattern at larger levels and larger levels and so on. Um, and so that is, um, I don't know, microcosm is a, is a prettier word than fractal, so that's, that's also probably a, a factor in my, like, aesthetic preference for it. Um, but anyway... Uh, so the dimensions of the world are this, the, or of our, our, our existence are, are sort of the, like, the beauty and wonder dimension, um, and the, uh, the other positive dimension is comedy and ridiculousness, um, and then the negative dimension is pain and grief, um, and, you know, I think, I think it is actually important, uh, part of the idea of it is that there are, there are two positive aspects and one negative because because the world can be there there is more to enjoy if we have the freedom to enjoy it it is possible to to live a life where we are hurt so much that we don't get to enjoy those things and um and that that is a that's a thing where i i am lucky that that's not my situation um but it is uh you know i i I think it is important to simultaneously recognize the existence of suffering, but also recognize that that's not all there is, and there is so much to enjoy and wonder at, and there is so much to laugh at. And so what I enjoy about BoJack Horseman, coming back to, to this, is that it, um, it does play with the beauty and wonder dimension sometimes. It doesn't get as much into that, but it's there. Um, but it, it engages a lot both with really... Um, weighty and important topics uh, related to um, trauma and suffering and pain. You know, the, if you're not familiar with the show, um, it is set, it's on Netflix and it's set in a world, set in a universe um, where it's all animated uh, and so the characters are, some of them are humans and some of them are um, uh, anthropomorphized animals, I think is the word. So like people who are or, or sorry, animals who basically take a human form, right? They have like human arms and legs, uh, but like an animal head, um, and they still do ridiculous animal things. So like the main character is Bojack Horseman, who is a washed up TV star, uh, who was the star of Horse and Around, which is a, um, which was like a, a popular 90s sitcom, sort of the, the that universe's uh, equivalent of Full House, where three orphans are adopted by uh, an adult horse. 
Um, and so what I really enjoy about the show, so BoJack is now, uh, you know, decades later, is now like a washed up uh, former star um, struggling with addiction and depression and alcoholism um, and and all you know his his biggest addiction is his addiction to the fame that he lost um and so the show deals with those themes while also dealing in living in a world where his agent is a cat who when she runs on the treadmill has a little mouse toy dangling in front of her um, because she's the cat um and i i really really love the way that that show engages simultaneously with really relatable and important themes that affect all of us, while also embracing just absolutely ridiculous humor. Um, it is, I, I have described it to Susie as the show that I, if I, in a world where I like create a, a fictional TV show, like that is the, the show that I wish I had the imagination to create. I love that show. Um, so that's one, Bojack Horseman is one. Um, another TV show, um, that I really love is uh, Steven Universe. I've actually started rewatching it, um, and it's it's a bit different because uh, I mean BoJack is is very explicitly for adults, um, and Steven Universe is is made more for kids, although it is watchable for adults, um, and it also deals with inherited trauma. Um, but Steven Universe is it's also animated, and it's about um, it's it's in a world where there are these intergalactic. Uh, super women slash uh, gems, like literally gemstones, um, and they they are recovering from the trauma of the gem wars, and like their their enemies from the gem wars are still out in space. Um, and Stephen is half gem, half human, and he uh, you know needs to sort of come to terms with his own powers and like discover them. Um, and also his magical destiny, um, but also all he wants is for everyone to get along and, like, stop fighting, even though there is all of this really difficult, really painful, lingering drama. Um, you know, he, he, he takes on the challenge of, of helping everyone heal it. Um, and, you know, the, the thing about a show like Steven Universe is in, in fiction, one person or half superhero, half person can make all of that happen, but in the real world, none of us can do that alone. Um, and you know, I'm, I am not out here trying to save the world by myself, um, but I am trying to do my part to save the world and hopefully inspire other people to do their part to, to save the world um, and, and save humanity from all of the, the pain and trauma we've inherited because the source of all of our fighting and all of our pain is, I mean, it's, it's real pain that has um, that has been inflicted on us. I know I'm getting a little dark here again, but um, but we can overcome it. And and Steven Universe is such a it's a beautifully animated um, show. It's also really whimsical and funny at times. I mean, again, it really explores sort of these dimensions of uh, of of beauty and of ridiculousness and of suffering. Um, and so I really enjoy uh, that show for that reason. Um, there are also some books I have read that I uh, that I want to sort of throw out there as recommendations. Um, they are they tend to be a little more serious and a little less on the ridiculous dimension. Um, they're nonfiction. Um, so one one book that I really really enjoyed uh, is um, uh, I'm briefly blanking on the name um, Utopia for Realists, uh, which is by an, a 
economist named Rutger Bregman. Um, he's a Dutch economist. Um, and it basically, it is honestly, it is one of the core inspirations for this channel. Um, because his argument is basically there is, you know, for, for most of human history, we were all trying to figure out how to make the world better. Um, and our current, in, in our current world, you know, there's so much all around us happening all the time that we've kind of lost that ability to imagine something better. Um, and so he talks about the ways that economic systems um, could be reshaped to make a better world. Um, and I believe pretty strongly in, in the systems he proposes. And it really is, you know, it's the idea of, I've talked about this before, but it's an economic system where um, everyone is treated as having just inherent value as a human being. And so everyone's basic needs are met, but there is still a ton of wealth left over um, to, to have a system that, you know, rewards the things we want to reward. Um, but the, the gaps don't have to be as big as they are. Um, and, and, and we don't have to have poverty the way we do. Certainly in America, which is, you know, one of the wealthiest countries in the history of the world, we don't need to have anyone living in poverty, let alone a huge number of people um, and a huge number of children. Um, and so uh, Utopia for Realists is exactly what it sounds, right? It's, it's how do we build a better world while being realistic about what's possible. Um, so that's a book I would recommend. Um, another favorite book of mine is um, See No Stranger by, uh, I think her name is pronounced Valerie Kaur. Um, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that because I've only read it. Um, although I did at some point, I think I at some point went looking for her like YouTube videos to I saw her like get introduced at a, at a TED talk or something. Um, oh, this person's going into a driveway. Great. Um, and I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, but again, I apologize if I'm not. Um, See No Stranger. Um, it is a memoir. She calls it a memoir and manifesto. Um, and I have, uh, I, I am trying to incorporate that in, into this also, right? Like this is, I am simultaneously talking about um, my own painful memories, that's the memoir part, and I'm talking about the way I think the world could be, which is the manifesto part. Um, I also, a dimension that I'm trying to add here is sort of modeling um, a way that um, that we can behave, and particularly that I think, like, other straight white men, you know, I, I am trying to model what I think we can do to be better, um, because a lot of, there's a lot of pain that's been caused, like, in our names. I'm, going down the darkness road again. I apologize. Um, but anyway, it's, um, it's, it is Valerie Kaur's memoir. Um, she is, uh, a, a frankly brilliant and really fascinating person. Um, and I, I don't even feel the need to like, go, I don't know. It's, it is, it is about her life sort of growing up, um, as the child of, I believe she's a first generation American. It might be her grandparents immigrated. I don't, I don't remember because I read it, um, a while ago. Um, I read it like over, uh, over six months ago, less than a year, but a while. Um, but that's, it's a wonderful book that sort of talks about, again, inherited trauma is everywhere. Um, and it sort of talks about inherited trauma and particularly her experience as a member of the, um, the Sikh community, which has been, um, targeted, by um, some pretty violent attacks because, uh, you know, it's something that's like challenging and complicated about it is that Sikhs have been targeted because people mistake them for Muslims, but also 
directing violence against Muslims is also um, really harmful and and uh, and you know for the most part people are just trying to live their lives. Um, that's the biggest thing I've learned in all of my travels. Um, anyway, I would recommend also See No Stranger by Valerie Kaur. Um, and we just got home, so I feel like those four recommendations are uh, are a pretty good place to to leave things for now. Um, Charlie and I need to go inside. Um, I'll be back uh, to to do some meditation uh, in in uh, in a Charlie. <laughs> now, that, now that you know that term, I'll be back in a Charlie. Um, but yes, BoJack Horseman and Steven Universe are wonderful. Uh, See No Stranger and um, uh, Utopia for Realists are also wonderful. I think those aren't the only things, but um, uh, I don't know, some other books I've read recently that I really enjoyed. I actually really... Uh, what's something about Combating Cult Mind Control, which sounds uh, a little quacky, but is, is written by a former um, high-up member uh, of... Uh, of the Mooney organization, um, the sorry, the Unification Church is is I think the the like official term for it. Um, my view on religion in general is that religion itself is not the source of harm, but religious organizations can use. Honestly, any organization with power over people can use their power for for harm um, or for good. And so, religious organizations um, have often been used for harm, but also have been used for good. Governments have also been used for harm and have been used for good. Um, corporations have also been used to do a lot of harm uh, and sometimes have done some good. Um, anyway, um, that book I also found really fascinating um, just in the way it talks about This is sort of a hard thing to say without, like, um, hurting and upsetting some people, and so, you know, I apologize for that. But it sort of talks about the way... Um, so, something that we see a lot in our world is that um, when, when an idea is threatening to the power of an organization, that idea is labeled uh, satanic. Um, and that's going on, there's a fair amount of that going on right now that has nothing to do with the Unification Church, um, or with, well, sometimes it's religion. Um, and, you know, my view is that an idea is only harmful if it's used to do harm. Um, the ideas, I, ideas can be good, um, ideas can be bad, but for the most part, I said this the other day, like, the ideas that are used to be har are used to do harm tend to be good ideas, um, that are sort of, that, that get, the logic gets twisted. Um, and so to me, the fundamental thing that matters is not the idea, it's, it's whether you're doing harm to other people or not. Um, but it is, it is a, it is a powerful thing to convince someone that, uh, if they listen to me, for example, they will be exposed to satanic ideas and that I am, uh, you know, doing something, doing something evil here. Um, because all I'm trying to do is encourage peace, uh, between people and, and, um, I am, I am sorry if, uh, if peace between people is at odds with your belief system, but I would also, if that's the case, I would encourage you to, to think a little more critically about your belief system. Um, because the world doesn't have to be like this. We don't all have to be fighting each other. Um, in the name of whatever beliefs we have. Uh, so that book was also interesting. Um, there was also a book I read, and I don't remember... Uh, I'm blanking on the name. Of, uh, Steve, Steve Hassan is the, is the guy who wrote Combating uh, Cult Mind Control. Um, uh, the other book I was going to mention... I don't remember. That's fine. We can, we can end it there. Um, all of these... Uh, 
uh, I, I really, if you're a TV person, BoJack Horseman and, and Steven Universe are really two of my very favorite things. Also, The Good Place. Oh, I love The Good Place. Um, although the, the, the philosophy of The Good Place where, like, you know, people get points for their actions um, is, is kind of at odds with, uh, with where I've gotten to, although I think, you know, it, it, it deals with that. It, it addresses that. Um, I have actually, in my life, I have, uh, I, I relate strongly to Chidi from The Good Place because um, all I want to do is figure out how to stop people from fighting. Um, and Chidi has certainly gone down the route of, like, rules and which rules are the best, um, whereas I have sort of gone down the road of, uh, I actually don't think rules, I think rules, you know, we, we, we think a lot about the idea that rules are the most important thing, or are certainly an important thing, um, and I think that, uh, just like ideas, rules can be used, um, in, to do good, and they can be used to do harm. Um, and a rule in and of itself is, is neither a good thing nor a bad thing. Um, I think what matters is, is the way that we engage with them. It's the interaction of the rules and of our culture. Um, and so, you know, I, I spent uh, time working on campaigns to try to change the rules, and I um, sort of got to the point where I realized that other people are more competent at the things um, that go into that, and so uh, I'm getting out of their way. Um, but I think culture is a place where I can hopefully have some influence, and so that's um, that's what I'm trying to do here. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to control anyone, but if I can influence anyone to find some peace and to create some peace, then that's great. Okay, uh, we've talked about all that. Uh, Charlie wants to go inside. I want to eat lunch. Uh, both of those things are going to happen, and, and then I will come back and meditate. Uh, and tomorrow, well, Monday's episode, it'll go live. Uh, we'll have a special treat for you. Uh, okay, see you in a bit. Bye. That was, a, that was a weird face. Sorry, I make weird faces sometimes. Am I the only one who does that? Probably not. Okay, bye. Please like and subscribe. 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 Hello, I'm back. I had my delicious leftover fritters for lunch. They were great. Um, so I'm out here to, to do a little uh, 10 minute meditation. Um, silent meditation. Um, I've said this before, but I feel like it's uh, a, a good thing to reiterate. If you are, um, you know, watching this uh, or just listening to it um, somewhere that you can't, you know, stop, if you're working or driving or whatever, um, that's uh, totally fine. Um, and also, look, if you want to, if you want to skip over this part, that's okay. I, I understand. Um, but I, I think it is good to have uh, 10 minutes of silence um, alone with our thoughts, whether we are actually meditating or not, um, because we do spend a lot of time in our current world uh, avoiding being alone with our thoughts. And I, I have spent a lot of time in my life being uh, avoiding that, and, and um, meditation is sort of part of my practice to, um, to work on that. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, our, our, our thoughts are there whether we like them or not. And if we drown them out, then um, they, you know, that all just builds up, right? It, it just sort of builds up attention inside us. Um, and that's super unhealthy, super unhealthy for us. Um, so, 
yeah, I, I, meditation is a is a practice that um, silent meditation is a practice I've taken up uh, in the last uh, year and change um, that I find really helpful. Um, I also want to mention the, you know, the idea of it as a practice is something that I don't think I really got before, um, but it's it literally um, meditation is sort of I think of it like this is such a such a dude way to say it, but it, it's like the gym for your brain, um, because what you are doing is literally you are, you are practicing, uh, keeping your attention focused, right? What, what you do when you do a silent meditation, you know, you, or what, what I do, I've talked about this before, but I, I sit here and as I breathe in, I think to myself, I follow my breath all the way in. When I breathe out, I think to myself, I follow my breath all the way out. Um, and I just do that over and over. I follow my breath all the way in. I follow my breath all the way out. Um, slowly, if I can. Um, breathing slowly, I mean. Um, and, you know, what happens is your mind inevitably wanders, and, and uh, ultimately you catch it sooner or later, and then you return um, you return to the mantra, to the, to the thing that you're repeating in your head. Um, and what that does is it, it is literally practicing catching your mind wandering because the way to keep your attention focused it's not about focusing your attention on the thing as much as it is about when your mind starts to wander catching it and bringing it back um and so meditation um is is a practice for that i mean that's that's what mindfulness is right it's sort of awareness of uh, of what's going on as opposed to letting yourself drift away um and no one loves drifting away into their thoughts more than I do, um, but it is it is really useful. It is an important muscle, for lack of a better term, it's not literally a muscle, um, but it is an important you know uh, skill reflex to have to be able to to catch your attention and direct it as you want to. Um, and so you know when when things are going well, you can choose to. Uh, that was a surprise little hiccup that happened because my phone ran out of storage space, which is a good reminder to me to clear out. Uh, these files every uh, every time I <laughs> probably every day is probably the right move because um, they they're big files because I you know talk for like an hour sometimes. Um, so what I was saying was uh, letting your mind wander can be um, a really delightful experience. But what's really nice, uh, well, what's what's useful about sort of um, developing this this mindfulness skill is you can choose when to let your mind wander, uh, as opposed to being me with my severe ADHD and just like, it's kind of going wherever, whenever, um, uh, on very, very long train. I mean, this, this entire show is a pretty good indication of, uh, of the way that like my trains of thought go all over the place. Anyway. So yeah, that is, that is why I do that is why I have learned to practice meditation and it's a practice because you're practicing a skill. Um, and you know, it's, we're sort of used to thinking of practice as like you are practicing for, um, for game time, for performance, whatever, right? Your, uh, your, your basketball team is practicing cause you're going to have a game, um, or you're practicing an instrument cause you're going to have a concert or whatever. Um, but this is just a practice for developing the skill. And also quite frankly, you can practice playing an instrument cause you enjoy it and you don't ever have to play it for anyone else. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of the, the practice element of it. Um, anyway, I think that's sort of all of my, uh, my preface here, but yeah, again, I think, you know, if you're, if you're at work, if you're driving wherever, somewhere that, um, you can't stop and meditate, or if you're at home doing nothing and you just don't want to meditate, um, that's fine. Um, 
but uh, you know, I, w I would encourage you to try it. Um, and if you if it's not your bag, that's totally fine. Um, it also takes time to sort of adjust to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, also, if you don't want to do it, that's okay, and if you want to move on, that's okay, but also, like, having ten minutes of sil silence to yourself is, um, is not the worst thing to experience every so often. It's, it's good for us. Uh, and it's a lovely day here in Grass Valley, so you'll probably get some, like, bird chirping and stuff in the background. I mean, I will, I just don't know how much it gets picked up by the microphone. Also sounds like a chainsaw so you get that the lovely sounds of nature um yeah there was it already went by but the garbage truck came by earlier uh and you know part part of the thing with all of this is like sometimes the garbage truck is going to go by and it's going to be loud um there is a lovely story uh from uh i'm going to try to pronounce this properly in vietnamese um uh tick nhat hong um who is uh, a, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk, um, who is one of my very favorite philosophers. He's, you know, I talked earlier about, um, media that I consume, but really the thing that sort of started me on this journey was, um, was just a little booklet from Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, called How to See. Um, and he has all of these different, you know, how to see, how to sit, how to love, how to relax, um, how to eat, um, that are just sort of little mindfulness, I think they're called Mindfulness Essentials is the series. Um, and they're really short, they're super digestible. They're each like a hundred pages long, and a, and, and a page is like a, a couple paragraphs of, uh, of text. Um, but they are lovely. Um, but he has a story about um, meditating, uh, hosting a, a retreat um, in uh, somewhere in the mountains in California, probably at the Deer Park Monastery, which is one of um, one of the monasteries he founded, which I think is somewhere down near LA. I'm not a hundred percent sure, um, but uh, they were practicing meditation all weekend, and um, a number of the people who were attending the retreat. Um, were Vietnamese immigrants who had, um, you know, who had either, uh, fled during the war or after the war. Um, you know, there was a huge influx of refugees, um, from, uh, from the Vietnam war. Um, and at the time that they were doing this retreat, there was a wildfire, um, not super, uh, not necessarily right where they were, but close enough that helicopters were flying to fight the fire and we're flying past where they were. And he talks about how, for a lot of people in the group, that brought up a lot of, uh, a lot of trauma, right? Because if you're, if you were a Vietnamese villager, the, the sound of a helicopter is the sound of like approaching death and destruction. Um, and so the, some of the folks at the retreat were having a really hard time. Also, it's amazing that he manages to tell this entire story in a paragraph. And I'm like, here, let's make that five minutes long. <laughs> um, uh, but so some, some folks were really struggling with that. And he talks about how, um, you know, they would just reassure themselves that in, in this particular instance, the, the helicopters were there, um, to do good. They were, they were trying to put out a fire. Um, and also just, you know, if, if you are, um, if you are meditating, there will be environmental things going on. Um, and you know, your brain's, your brain's going to notice them because that's what your brain does. There's a thing. Um, but it's okay. Um, as long as there is not an actual threat to you, 
Um, it is it is okay to just sort of notice the thing and move on. And if you keep noticing it, that's okay too. Um, back when we lived in D.C., I would uh, often sit on our back porch and meditate. And, you know, we would hear the sounds of, like, trucks and cars going down the street. Lots of, you know, beep, beep, with the trucks backing up. Um, uh, and, and, and now we have a chainsaw sound. Um, and it's, it's just part of the environment. Um, so I would encourage you, whatever sounds are going on around you, um, I'm not going to say block it out cause you can't. Um, but I'll say just, you know, notice it and come back to where you are. Um, cause that's, that's the purpose of the exercise. Okay. Uh, and with that, we'll, we'll get started. I don't, I don't think I have much else to say today. Today. Uh, one of the thoughts I had, <laughs> ADHD, uh, one of the thoughts I had for today's, like, you know, lower key episode, I forgot about it when I was doing it, so it didn't happen, um, but was that just, like, while I'm, uh, going to, while I was driving, I would just, like, make up songs about things, but, um, I'm sure that'll happen sometime. Make up songs, I make up a lot of songs about Charlie. Okay, anyway, meditation. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be 10 minutes. Uh, it's, there's going to be a starting bell. 10 minutes later, there's going to be another bell. Um, and in between, I am just going to sit here. I'm going to breathe in and think in my head. I follow my breath all the way in. I follow my breath all the way out uh, over and over. Um, and every time I, something I've been trying to practice is that every time I actually catch myself with my mind wandering, I smile to myself because, um, one, because it's, it's, that's how you, the way you get better isn't by being perfect. It's by catching yourself when you drift. Um, and so it's, I, I smile because I'm happy that I am catching myself. Um, but it's also a good way to connect the happy feeling that your brain gets from a smile to the experience of bringing your attention back, which is just another good way to sort of reinforce that neural connection in your brain. Um, so that's, that's what I'm going to do over here. Okay. iPad time. I have rambled, uh, probably enough for today. Um, also I really need to clean my house cause my, uh, got a, got a out of town guest coming later. Uh, I've, I think I already mentioned it, but anyway, um, Okay, no, stay on screen. Uh, all right, see you in 10 minutes and change. 10 minutes and 15 seconds, 14 seconds, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, etc. You know how this goes. You know, you know numbers.
like I'm waking up from a nap. Excuse me. Ah, it sounds. Uh, okay. Uh, well, that is going to be it for today. Um, and I'm going to post this tomorrow, which means this is going to be the last episode that goes up this week. So I hope you have a lovely weekend. And then I'm going to record tomorrow, but that'll go up on Monday. Uh, yeah, have, have a great weekend, have a great week, and I can speak words, uh, and, uh, you know, try, try to, like, be good to each other, and, I don't know, try to, uh, try to manage your, your feelings and your ego and all of those things in a, in a way that is constructive and not destructive, because, lordy me, there's a lot of distraction out there. Um. Uh, Bye-bye.